Loose change, anyone? Loose change? That's right. A gentleman's chat is almost to a dollar of loose change. Episode 99 with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Ian, can you believe it? We've almost turned 100. That's actually a little depressing and great at the same time. It's, well, it's mostly depressing if you think about it. This show started like four years ago and we had hoped to do it every week. The fact that we're only just now getting around 100 <laughs> tells you that we kind of suck. Hey, that means we're just over every other week, though. We are. For the math. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Just over. Every once in a while, we'll get one back to back. People start thinking, oh my gosh, they're back. You know, it's like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where it's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And the whole place erupts. Yeah. And then we go on a month-long vacation. I think what we really need to start doing is every time we have time, just find other things and crank out a whole bunch. Mm. Because then we can consistently do once every week. It might not be topical if we ever bring up current stuff. You're right. It will shoot like seven in one weekend. And then you know, for the next three months, we'll be talking about... Uh, you know, some geopolitical thing that happens, you know, old news. Yeah. I think more than likely we'll talk about like social media. That seems to be a go-to of ours. That is a tentpole topic around here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually sat on an advisory board for uh, like cell phone policy at work. At the school. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I have to tell you, we had our first meeting recently and it was an absolute disaster. Of all, I mean, in the biggest way that you could define the word, it was a waste of an hour and 30 minutes of my life that I will never get back. Like on my deathbed, I will think, man, where could I have saved some time at this meeting? I could have saved some time at this meeting. I could have been at home sitting on the couch. I would have rather been sitting in my office staring at a blank brick wall than sitting in this meeting. I really would have. It was an absolute disaster. Here's the, here's the issue we're trying to curtail. Now that you've got me on tech. The youths are using too much technology throughout the day, particularly their cell phone. And it's detracting from their ability to pay attention and make relationships. I know, newsflash for those of you paying, playing, you know, playing along at home and paying attention out there, uh, vapes are also bad for you. Like, I don't know why it took us so long to get around to this idea, but we've finally gotten around to it. So the youths are using their cell phones too much. So they put together this committee of people that are going to try to set forth new policy on how to get the youths to use their cell phones less. And they have, you know, faculty and um, stakeholders, families, employers, all sorts of different people on this because they're like, you know, we need to sit down and really work this thing out. And when we originally sat down the first meeting, they're like, hey, we don't expect to have policy today. But, you know, like two, three meetings from now, we're hoping to have something to really oh, nail down. No. Dude, 45 minutes into this meeting, I was like, you're not getting a policy this year. Yep. Like we could meet literally every day for the better part of six months and you're not going to get a policy. Oh, of course not. It's the people are so divided on this idea of like, first of all, are the youths having their technology too much? Because there are parents out there that are like, no, my kid's doing great with their technology. Why would I want to take it away from them? It's like, well, I, hang on a minute. Time out. Joop. Stop right there. Let's let's just stat check your kid because you're yeah, right. like, is your kid crushing it? Because if your kid is that, you know, leader of the pack, you know, great or number one in the class and they're out there just scrolling TikTok in the middle of history class. Like, listen, hey, your kid is an exception, but I'm pretty sure if your kid's one of those kids that has their phone out in class and you're like, no, they could be they could be on their phone, but they don't use it that much. Yeah. And they're like failing a class. Yeah, I don't want to hear from you. You know, like you're not the person. They're rolling strong with a solid like 1.8 GPA. Right, right, <laughs> right. And of course, it's a very hot button issue. Yep. As it, as it is in every place around the world right now, you know, is too much technology time. What is it doing to you? And so it's uh, it's. It's been a, an interesting adventure that we've had over at work trying to walk through this. And I have a very simple solution. Um, just put the phone away. Yeah. Put it in a place where you can't see it. And then they're like, well, they need to have it for communication. No, I was like, yeah, they okay. Don't. Well, I, well I, okay. <laughs> I'll take that they do. However, when I'm at work, do I have my phone out? Yes. When? During break time. Okay. Do I have my phone out during work time? No. What happens if I do? I You're lose fired. my job. Yeah, exactly. It's really not that hard. 
I even asked some employers around the area. I was like, hey, big employers, manufacturing employers, thousands of people. What kind of cell phone policies do you have? And they're like, oh, Omar, I, none. Yeah, the, we don't have cell phones in the building. They go in the you know employees' lockers. Yep. They get them at break time. Other than that, we don't see them. I was like, okay, well, what happens if they do? Oh, if they do, first time, verbal warning, hey, put it away. Second time, written warning. We're going to document this. Third time, termination. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, three strikes, you are out of this ballgame. Yeah. So, of course, so that's what I was getting at with this committee. And they were just beside themselves at the idea. And the hard part is that they want student input, too, which I think is really great. Do you? But I think it's fantastic because okay. the kids have a lot of advocacy for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the issue is that because of all this advocacy and to, like, be useful and actually like go through the form of democracy there are you know we're trying not to create a hammer yeah because otherwise kids are going to find the way to you know make the coolest nail and that's going to be or the most perversive nail really and that's tricky but you can't be kind of pregnant no you know you either have to do it or don't do it so that's uh that's actually something i love the compassion or thoughtfulness put into something like we'll have for K through 12, we'll have a student body or we'll give them a voice. That's something I don't think I would follow out practically. However, I don't think that's a good idea off the premise. They're still kids. And unfortunately they're not developed enough to know what is actually good for them. So giving them a say in what's good for them is kind of backwards in my mind. I also think student, like, student democracy or, like, student councils or whatever you want to call them have really changed because they used to be, like, they would decide what was in the vending machines. Exactly. Or Or school lunch menus. School lunch menus or things that, like, actually affected the students. At what time do the doors lock? Yep. For after-school activities, like little things like that. They're like, yeah, you're probably useful to input on this. But in, in I don't know, what I see is now they're like politically active. Oh, Like, yeah. you know, they organize sit-outs, you know, or kids like walk, or walkouts. That's what I'm trying to come yep. up with. They organize walkouts and they're like, you know, trying to influence policy. And I, I think it's great when kids have a voice. I really mm-hmm. do. Because at the end of the day, I don't have to listen to it. Right, I mean, if you're being if you're being completely True. blunt, obviously that's not the goal of the exercise. Yes. But if you're being completely blunt about it, they can give valuable input. Mm-hmm. And if the input is not valuable, you can say thank you for your time and do whatever you need to do as the adult in the room. Yep. So I think that I think it's great. As as far as input goes, it definitely depends on how it's set up. I'll grant you that. Whereas if the majority of their work is dare I say, trivial decisions in terms of adult Mm -hmm. decisions of overreach. It's great to have their input. And then you can do, you can action on those inputs to make them feel like they're actually making a difference because they are making decisions. Whereas if you give them too many grand decisions or policy decisions that you can't action on because you know they're a kid and unfortunately they don't, understand the full context of the full picture because they're not they're not adults they're not fully developed they don't understand every aspect into it yep you can't have every decision they make that because one of two things is going to happen either you're going to get suckered in or you're going to feel bad and take their advice on something they really shouldn't have input on because they don't know or you're going to tell them no enough where they're going to feel dejected because Mm. They'll feel, yeah, you gave us this say, but you never listened to us, so what's the point? Well, I also think the people that run for student government are the brighter ones. Yeah. They're not like the dumb, dumb server I had oh. the other day when I went out to... Dude, get a load of this girl, okay? I'm at a place called Hilby's. It's a bar and a restaurant in the town that I live. If you live in the town that I live in, don't go there. It's a dumpster. It really is. It's just a sore. It's right downtown, too. It's There's a bowling alley attached that's closed during the summer. Like Why? a dive I don't pub know. or something. Oh, my gosh, yeah. dude. It's terrible. So we walk in. Get a load of this. We walk in the bar, my brother-in-law and I, and we're like, hey, we want to have some early dinner. This is, you know, a terrible place, but it might not. Like, how bad can it be, right? So we walk in, and we go up to the bar. We're watching the college football game is on, and the bartender comes over and says, hey, 
you know, what can I get you? I was like, well, we kind of like some menus. We're probably going to sit down and eat. And she's like, okay. So she gives us some menus. We go sit down. Our server comes by and says, well, where'd you get the menus from? Like angry at us. And at the back of my head, I was like, I brought them from home. I'm like, what? What, do you, what do you mean? Where'd you should have get, said that. What do you mean? Where I get the bartender gave us the news. Well, why'd she do that? Like, I don't know. You ask her. Don't ask me. So she takes our drink order, which was just water because I didn't trust her to make yep. me anything else. So I'm thumbing through the menu and I'm like, cheeseburger. Nope. That's too easy to mess up. Chicken wrap. Nope. Too easy to mess up. Like, I, they, I don't, these people are not the brightest and best. You get best, down to okay? Tyson chicken nuggies and the, some mac and cheese. Yeah. These people did not run for student government <laughs> and it's very clear. Okay. So I was like, boneless chicken wings. These have to come from frozen. Yeah. How do you mess this up? Reheated chicken nuggets. How do you mess this up? I ordered 10. I said I would like 10 mild sauce on the side. My brother-in-law ordered two orders of 10. His sauces, they walk away. Fantastic. We're sitting there watching the game. She comes back. Mine are drowning in this mild sauce. I mean, smothered <laughs> and covered. You know, generally when you go to like a wing place, think of like a Buffalo Wild Wings. Not always do you get as much sauce as you want. Sometimes yeah. the sauce ratio is a little... Not you know it's it's not enough sauce because depending on what it is it gets expensive. This was literally in a bath. I mean, standing maybe inch and a half at the bottom of the container of sauce. So like a curry dish where the I chicken's mean, in the curry. It was oppressive, <laughs> and I was like, well, I kind of wanted this on the side in my head, but I thought it's a mild sauce. Yep. How bad can it be, dude? I took one bite of the sauce. This sauce sucked, folks. As I live and breathe, it was the suck and blow. This sauce was dismal. So I I called the waitress over who and I said, ma'am, this sauce sucks. And this is not what I ordered. I wanted sauce on the side. You gave me sauce on there and I was going to power through, but the sauce is dismal. Can you take it from me, please? And just to, as an aside, a lot of people are too scared to stop someone at a restaurant when they who don't like up? the food. Yep. I don't see any reason with that. I have been no. to many restaurants where they just blatantly mess up the order and they're like, it's an honest mistake. True. You can make honest mistakes. And it betters the restaurant when you call them on it because then they get better at avoiding those pitfalls and those mistakes. Yeah. It's good for everyone. So I walked over. I said, ma'am, this is not what I ordered and the sauce is dismal, so I cannot power through it. She said, oh, really? I didn't hear you say you wanted sauce on the side. I was like, well, that's because you were too busy not listening. Um, so I don't want these. And she said, well... Do you want me to make some new ones or have the cook make you some new ones? Yes, I would like that. That would be splendid. Um, then she said, do you want any sauce? I said, no, just plain wings will be fine because they come with ranch or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I-, I can live with ranch. I don't need any more sauce. I had plenty enough sauce in the two bites I took. So she walks away. I get my new wings. They're big, mm-hmm. juicy, delicious. Finish out the meal. Pay. Go to pay. Brother-in-law hands me his credit card. I have my credit card. Two mm-hmm. bills in hand. One in my left hand and one in my right hand. I hand it to the bartender. I said, here, this is what I'd like to pay for the both of these. I get the cards back. I'm signing one. And I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't my card. Yep. She put them on the wrong card. Somehow I handed them to her. Bill and card stacked on top of each other. One in each hand. I handed them to her. And somehow she flip-flopped them. I have no idea how this woman <laughs> pulled this magic trick. I have no idea how she did this. Honestly, she should go to be a magician because it was baffling to me. So she flips them and I was like, well, how about we just refund the transaction? We'll try again. It's not that. I mean, this is a non-issue, right? Especially considering the service I just had. This is not a big deal. So she goes to refund and she says, well, here's the issue, sir. Oh, no. I can either give you cash or I can give you in-store credit. I can't put it back on the credit cards. And I said, ma'am, not to worry. Because if I paid for his and he paid for mine, why don't you refund the both of them in cash? I'll just take yep. the cash that you refund him, use his card a second time. He's just used you as an ATM for $10. Exactly. This is easy to do. At this point, he comes walking out of the bathroom and I said, just buckle up. <laughs> and he said, what's wrong here? And I just, I literally said, buckle up. And I turned around and she came back to me, dude, hand on heart as I live and breathe. She said... Sir, there appears to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) She said, this is a new system for us, and I can't seem to get it to to reopen the accounts. 
So I can't like repay this tab because it's been refunded, but I can't reopen it to repay it with a card. So put in another order. And I was like, I was literally dumbfounded standing at this bar. I was like, what is happening here? What kind of, I mean, also this was 630 on a Friday. There was five people in this whole place. We were two of them. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening here? So I was like, ma'am, you know what? It's your lucky night. I handed her all the cash. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Take the cash. I, I, let's just be done. Yep. So we were done. We were there actually to play billiards in the pool, in the, in the, in the pool hall, but the bowling alley side. Yep. So we take the short walk over to the bowling alley side. We arrive at the bar where I meet yet another bartender. I said, bartender, how good is your old fashioned? He said, well, it comes from premix. And I was like, well, what's the premix? <laughs> and he named it to me and I didn't recognize it. And I said, yeah, I, I'll pass on that. And he yep. said these words to me. He said, hey, it's it, you know small town in Wisconsin. It's not a big town. Like you can't expect that much out of us. And then I swear to God, I'm not lying even a little. He walked away because someone's food order came up. And in the middle of a transaction, he's like, hey, I'll be right back. And he just effing left. He just walked away. That was it. That was the end of it. I respect that. So he comes back and I was like, well, do you have Coke or Pepsi? He said, Pepsi. I said, you can't mess up Maker's Mark and Pepsi. Yeah, right. (laughs) You can't. Turns out this guy can. This is a special breed of stupid. Okay. This guy put half a bottle of Maker's Mark and Pepsi on top. Nice. and, And then charged me only $6. And I was like, what in the hell is happening here? So we go to play billiards. Folks, this is, I, I am not lying even a little here. This was my Friday last week because my wife and his wife were out, out of town. Mm-hmm. So we needed something to do with ourselves. We go. No, this was on a Saturday. I want to correct myself. It was on a Saturday. 6.30 on a Saturday. Nobody in the place. We go to play billiards. First of all, the table, quarter table, $1.25 a game. Yep. Terrible. What a steal. I mean, or what a robbery. Highway robbery, yeah. right? We're playing, and on the wall is this sign, color-coded sign, about their no-loitering rules. And they had, I swear to God, 14 no-loitering rules. I don't know how how many times they could rephrase it. They had rules about hats. If you're going to wear a hat in the establishment, it must be forwards or backwards, not off to the side. You cannot loiter in the bowling alley. You cannot loiter in the bar. You cannot loiter in the parking lot. You cannot loiter on the stairs to the parking lot. You cannot loiter on the sidewalk outside. You cannot loiter on the curb. You cannot loiter in the bathroom. You cannot loiter in the bowling alley like where the lanes are. You cannot loiter literally anywhere in this place. You just need to be there doing something like a like a like an employee. You need to be there working. And then they had rules about your pants have to be up so far. And it was just this hilarious sign that I was reading. And then people came in to bowl. And I was like, oh my gosh, the place is getting busy. And the bartender said, do you have a reservation to bowl? And the family was like, no. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, you need to have a reservation. Otherwise, you can't bowl here. Place is empty. Nobody's yep. bowling. You need to have a reservation. Otherwise, you can't bowl. And I'm playing my my dollar twenty five billiards game, and I was like, "What is happening?" So the people have to walk outside, get back into their car, loitering. By the way, they have to call the establishment. The man at the bar has to pick up. They have to make a reservation, wait fifteen minutes, come back in, and then they can have their reservation. This was my experience at the Hillbys Bar and Grill. Good for that family that actually took the time and did that. I would never have even considered no. doing that no. for that establishment. No, no, no. I would have no said, chance. okay, thank you very much. Have a good life. I and said, left. I would have said, you can't make an old-fashioned. Be gone. Yeah, yeah which I'm, is really weird because we live in Wisconsin. Old-fashioned is one of the core drinks. Literally, the bar next door makes an old-fashioned. Oh. Every bar Every in Wisconsin. Every bar yeah. downtown makes it. You will fashion. always be able to get an old fashioned, a Bloody Mary, and any sort of rail mixer. <laughs> it was on. It was in a. It was a Christ-inspiring experience. I mean, it really was. I couldn't believe. And that's not the only time. I've been there several times, and we too had to make a reservation. My dad and I went to bowl there one night, 
And uh, the guy's like, do you have a reservation? No, lane's wide open. So we sat at the bar for an hour and a half. We had to sit at the bar before we finally got a lane. And uh, yeah, that was that was a wild adventure. We played two games, took us all 20 minutes, then we went home. It was uh yeah, wild experience. At any rate, they're trying to sell that bar. I have been for a year. No buyers, and I guess the owners have really given up because yeah. the place blows. So to finish up technology, if I might, wrap all the way back to it. You didn't know I could put a bow on this, but I can. Student government is is run by the smart ones, not the ones that can't make an old-fashioned and that work at Hilby's. That's my final sentence. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Oh, what a nice bow there. Yeah. See, people think my segues are still bad after four and a half years, but little do they know. I was just sandbagging them this whole time. Yeah, I, th- I think your segues have gotten much better. Smoother, if nothing else. Mm, yes. Where there's not the abrupt stop, like, hey, we're talking about technology. Oh, by the way, I like birds, and this I, is what I have on birds. Like about birds. Or, <laughs> you know, I really think people in the 1950s had something right about, you know, morphine addictions. Oh, I wish I was a morphine addict. What? <laughs> <laughs> no? I feel morphine is one of those things. This is literally a segue <laughs> that, that we just made fun of. We literally just made fun of ourselves and we did it again. Yeah, it was so smooth though because we were making fun of it. You're right. Okay, tell me more about your morphine addiction. I don't actually have a morphine addiction. It had nothing to do with anything. Listen, I think I the, just thought it would fall in line with a good segue. I think the morphine eggs had something going at the very least because they could get it for cheap. You know, I mean, they at the weren't. Time. Yeah, at the time, they weren't yeah. blowing out their liver. They weren't sitting around on street corners, you know, smoking crack. They were just shooting up. And what's funny is, in my mind, I have like you know the little container. They almost look like toothpaste containers. Yep. They're very small, and they got the needle on the end. And they're just you know like, like uh, whiskey and a on a kid's gums when they're young. You know, just yep. sucking that stuff down little by little. <laughs> And I just picture them, you know, turning into toddlers and laying around on their floors at home while their wife does all the labor. And then and they just fall asleep right there and they wake up the next day and yet the hardships persist. Yeah. Man, the 50s were really a great time in American history, weren't they? I feel like the 50s were the same as every other time in American history. Different issues. I uh, curtail that after 1900. Mm, okay the past couple centuries i feel like there's been a consistency where people have had different problems but the extent of problems that most people have had have been pretty consistent they get replaced with yeah other problems i think you're right you know the refrigerator doesn't work is kind of a sentence that can span several generations at this point yeah i get you which i like i like that sort of consistency yeah, people always talk about, like, what's the best age in human history to live in? And the answer is very simple. Like, if I had to go back in history, I would go back to yesterday. Because this is the best time to be living as a human. Medically, things are great. It's cold outside. Where are you right now? In a heated building. It's yep. warm outside. Where are you right now? In a cooled building. You have a little bit of a cough. Who can help you? Hall's cough drops. The you know Johnson & Johnson has got you covered from the sniffles to the cough drops to the fever that you got going on. They got Anvil that's great. Listen, the lights work. The mm-hmm. internet is here. You can watch something while you feel like a dumpster fire. This is the best time to be living as a human being. Technology is certainly fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. However, it's one of those things that if you look at it in a whole aspect, and I've thought about this several times, because the reason it is the best time for all of humanity right now is because of technology. And before this technology existed, people didn't know about the technology, so they had no concept of that, so it didn't drag them down like, oh, I don't have air conditioning. Which has me thinking, is that why throughout all time, happiness rates, except for the past five years, but that could be interpreted many ways, has been pretty consistent. And I think it's because as mankind has progressed and gotten better things to improve the quality of life... They don't know the extent of, say, 50 years from now, their quality of life. That only works unless you're Amish. Because the Amish True. have just been pistol whipping themselves with anti-technology for decades. I passed a guy, because we live in yeah. Amish country, you and I do. Yep. 
and I was driving on a country road the other day. It was late at night. I mean, pitch black, cornfields left and right of me. I'm on a county road, and I see the flashing lights, and this guy, he's got a little good boy horse. He's just dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. He's just trundling yep. down. And I just think to myself, every time I pass one of those Amish people in a horse and buggy, I think, how can you not be oppressively sad? Like overwhelming want to jump off a bridge sad. Because every time you're sitting there in that dull ass horse and buggy with its rattling and it's shaking, doing 10 miles an hour, and some 2023 blows right past (laughs) you. He's got the radio cranked up. It's warm inside the cab. He's laid back, cruise control on, hands probably not even on the freaking wheel. He is having a just definitional ball. Meanwhile, there you sit. You and your smelly body because you don't have a running water shower. You're just, just crusty. You don't know what deodorant is because Arm & Hammer wasn't invented in the time that you're trying to role play. I mean, it just has to be dismal being Amish. And yet they're happy. They are so happy. You ever met a sad Amish person? I don't think I have. I have yet to meet one. I know many Amish people. They are thrilled at life. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> if I were them, I would just turn that horse hard left into the nearest car and I would end the whole thing. I think it's where they derive their happiness. And this comes from just Amish culture. There's They have such a strong sense of community and everybody in the community is like one big happy family and they all support each other and they all eat together, they work together, all that. I feel like that sense of community overshadows any lack of technology that they have for ease of life where their life is more difficult but they're just as happy because they have a stronger sense of community than most people nowadays do i also think they have a very strong to to be very legitimate here i think they have a very strong sense of self yeah like they're not going to be shaken from who they are and that's a very powerful trait in today's society yeah you know i mean it really genuinely clearly like in the one example they see they're on their horse and buggy in wisconsin at negative 12 <laughs> and they see all these cars pass and to still have the mindset that no i'm content in life and this is right yeah that is that is a strong willpower what religion are amish people generally a sect of christianity but, i don't know which but they're not mormon they're not mormon if i had to take a guess i want to say quaker that sounds oh, right oh yeah obviously <laughs> duh how did i not know that yeah, right. That's like, I'm pretty sure, but it's also one of those things where I could be wrong. It could be like something very similar to Quakerism that's not quite Quakerism, but shakers. I don't know. They could be shakers. The shaker. like, 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 <laughs> like the old shaker tunes. Yeah. You know, they yeah. could be shakers and Quakers. Shakers and Quakers. Shakers and Quakers. That would be a good Amish band name. Shakers and Quakers. Shakers and Quakers. They're put, they put up the barn on Sunday or on is Saturday their rest day or Sunday? Whichever one's not Whatever. their rest yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put up the bar and they get the big feast out and then you have Quakers and Shakers. Dude, that's either going to be a band that kills an Amish country or gets killed in Amish country. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be no middle ground for that particular group. I could see it very much. The entire village is absolutely just ecstatic and having a blast and whatnot. And out comes the patriarch of the village, you know, the 65-year-old... Leatherface guy who comes out and what is this you infidel <laughs> this, this is a slap to my culture and then he goes and flips the 40 foot long table they're all using probably because he's jacked they're always yeah, they're jacked. all jacked. always jacked always yeah jacked. they're like i just reshoot 20 elephants in the back dude it's like a freaking hallmark film every single one of those guys they have the same goatee and they are ripped out of their mind that's because I mean, they don't have any tools, so everything they do is by hand. It's just flagrant muscles. I mean, <laughs> it's just muscles on muscles. It's one dude in the corner whose tricep grew a tricep. Yeah, right? It's like, what the hell is this guy? It's like Sally, one of our dairy cows, had a punctured lung as uh, completely unable to stand, and, you know, they're capsized on their back. And it's like, oh, don't worry. And he goes over, and the dude just deadlifts the cow. <laughs> Come here, Betsy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, dude. Like, he holds the cow up while they patch her. They said Daniel Boone was a man, but they never met the Amish. Because yeah, right. Holy moly. But you would never guess because of the garbs they wear. Because right. it's always loose fitting. You couldn't tell. 
I swear, if they came out with Amish Sports Illustrated and they had the swimsuit edition, <laughs> holy smokes! They take it off and they're all Arnold. And I, you know what? They'd also be scarred. Yep. They'd have so, dude. Girls would dig the Amish. <laughs> girls would just flock. No pun intended. To the Amish. I mean, the Shakers and Quakers band is gonna be just diving into oh, girls. Imagine that. It would take one TikTok account for Amish, like one Amish community come together. We'll do one TikTok account to grow our community. Every woman that sees the TikTok account, I am there. I'm there. We have an open house. We will like, convert. <laughs> They'll get there and be, and the things, oh, well, you can't have your cell phone here. No, we, we don't allow any of that. And they'll sit there and, oh. and then they'll look over to Ezekiel in the fields, shirtless, uh, using a scythe to cut all the wheat down. They'll be like, okay. <laughs> Reminds me of a Hallmark film. I literally, I literally saw a Hallmark film based on this Amish girl who like was estranged, but meets a guy who's Amish and she's like, I know that I left a long time ago under duress, but I'm back now. And they're like, yeah, we don't believe you. And it was the whole film, right? And the double twist and then yep. the kiss at the end. Yeah, this is what I envision happening to those girls that just show up randomly. That would be great. It would be fantastic. I mean, not nearly as good as this impending ad read, though. This episode of A Gentleman's Chat is brought to you by Into the AM. Into the AM is your one-stop shop for elevated everyday apparel. Their unique designs, high-quality fabrics, and affordable prices make them the best place to shop for all of your apparel needs. So, go to IntoTheAM.com and use coupon code ASCENSION to get 10% off your purchase. So what are you waiting for? It's time to bring your fashion game to the next level with IntoTheAM. Alright, now that we're done fantasizing over, uh, over the Amish, I bring this topic to you, Ian. Coast Guard, it's a news story. Coast Guard arrests a man trying to run a giant hamster wheel across the Atlantic. You ready for this? <laughs> this is a great news story, too, because it's clearly written by someone that understands this person is a dumb dumb. Yep. So it starts with this. Try as he might, Reza Balucci can't reach his destination without running afoul of the U.S. Coast Guard. The key problem is his vessel. A giant floating hamster wheel made of buoys and wire, self-propelled by Bellucci running inside. Bellucci, who lives in Florida after being granted asylum from Iran, was taken in by the Coast Guard last week aboard his vessel, following several days of back and forth with the authorities. According to a criminal complaint filed by the U.S. District Court in South Florida, the Coast Guard cutter Valiant came across Bellucci in his homemade vessel about 70 nautical miles <laughs> east of Tybee Island oh my. on August 26th. So this dude's 70 miles off of east, east of Tybee Island, GA, which I'm assuming is Georgia. Crossing the Atlantic? I have no idea what... If he's going from the Atlantic eastward, like from the tip of... From... From uh, Florida, going eastward. I it, was like, Guadal, Guadal, is there a Guada over there? Guadal, I do not... I have no idea country things. I just know GA is Georgia. Okay. So American. He was 70 miles east of that, which means he's a long way from Florida. Oh, yeah. He... Oh, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> not expecting the paywall? No, I wasn't. Let me continue. He told officers his destination, London, England more than 4,000 miles away. Bellucci was asked for the vehicle's registration. He said it was registered in Florida, but couldn't find the registration, according to the complaint. The Coast Guard assessed Bellucci's vessel, known as a hydropod, and determined it was, quote, conducting a manifestly unsafe voyage. According to the Coast Guard Special Agent Michael Perez in his complaint, which does not identify Bellucci's starting points, uh, the officers then approached Bellucci in a small boat and instructed him to join them, where they were ending his and that they were ending his voyage due to it being unsafe. Bellucci replied that he had a 12-inch knife and he would attempt to kill himself if the officers attempted to remove him from the vessel. According wow. to the complaint, wow. The officers returned to the nearby cutter, uh, which was stationed nearby. When the officers tried again over the next day or so to get Bellucci to join them on the small boat, he displayed two knives and threatened to hurt himself if the officers boarded the vessel, which I don't know how you board this hamster wheel. 
Bellucci also threatened to, quote, blow himself up along with the vessel. The officer saw him holding wires in his hands and believed him. <laughs> the complaint says, okay, Bellucci is off his rocker. The following day, folks, this is like, remember that story we learned about the, the hat man? Yep. And the guy on Reddit who, like, saw the hat man? This is the same guy, I think. Same dude. The following day, the second Coast Guard cutter named Campbell arrived. This is a U.S. incident now. And sent a small boat to Bellucci to deliver food, water, and word that a hurricane was expected. Bellucci again refused to leave the vessel, told the officers the bomb wasn't real. So he... <laughs> Dude, Bellucci... They brought him food? <laughs> yeah, and then he admitted that the, the bomb wasn't real. Oh, no. Okay, on August 29th, the Campbell once again sent a small boat. And this time was able to remove Bellucci safely from the floating hamster wheel. He was brought ashore in Miami Beach last week, or last Friday, where he was released on a $250,000 bond. This was not his first try. This is his, the Coast Guard said he, quote, has attempted voyages in a similar homemade vessel in 2014, 2016, and 21, all of which resulted in the United States Coast Guard intervention. There is more to tell you about this. But apparently, Bellucci was also in a New York Times or, or a Vice documentary where he attempted to go from uh, Florida to the Bermuda, but in, which was about a thousand miles, by running inside his homemade floating bubble. So there's a documentary of this man on the internet, and I must tell you, this version, the latest iteration of his floating bubble, uh, is quite robust. Yeah, uh, it's literally a tube that he's put some buoys on either end of. That that's, checks out. That's clear. So he just yep. runs in the tube, and it's got little paddles on it. It's like a bad steamboat paddle, or paddle steamboat from back in the day. So, at any rate, this is, this is I think, a leading example of a man that could have done better in student government. I don't think he was part <laughs> of student government. <laughs> he should have been, because this dude is a dumb dumb. Oh, yeah. I think our government is also... Was never part of student government <laughs> nope. in this case. How, if someone tries this three different times, do you not just let them be? He's clearly going to get out as soon as he can via post bail or spend the three-month jail time or whatever he needs to do. And then do it again. And you're going to waste all this time, energy, uh, money, and food you're giving him to go bail him out every time. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't just track. Like, why don't we just follow along? He's yeah. not going very far, very fast. Like exactly. That, that cutter could sit in dock, you know, in the bay for a couple days. Go out, like, yep. oh, he's still out there. Good. Go back. Come out. Because let's face it, the dude's not gonna make it. No. Hurricane or not, this clown is not making it all the way to London, England. I'm sorry, buddy. If you're listening to this, you're not making it. It's not gonna happen in your lifetime, my lifetime, yeah. or anybody's lifetime. You're not doing it. And you could have one of two easy options. Either you don't feed him, and four he, or five days later, he'll just pass out. He you will go, die. What? He's not going to die immediately, though, so there's not even really a risk. He'll pass out because he's too exhausted, because he hasn't eaten, and then you just go collect him and bring him back or put him wherever. Or, if he... This might sound a little bit... Uh, harsh. If someone continually tries to do something... That puts their life in danger, but it's something they want to do and clearly are opposed to anyone trying to stop them. Just let them do it. I would have started popping his buoys. <laughs> because this wheel, like he's the buoys are on the outside, right? Yep. And he's inside the hamster wheel. So he can't get out. No. I mean, re with reasonable ease because he's in the ocean. Yeah. Generally speaking, the ocean is not a place where you just like, oh, hey, let me rotate this 45 yep. degrees and then open a hatch. Like, this dude is in a plexiglass sphere with some stuff taped on the outside of it. I mean, it's more than that, but it's effectively that. You know, like, I could have yeah. come up with the same thing when I was 10. Why, Like, Bellucci's knives are only going to hurt him. Why don't we just, like, poke at these buoys yep. until we've decided that, you know... Or poke a hole in Bellucci's vessel. It's like, just because they did so much to... They didn't want Bellucci to hurt himself. They did. And they didn't want anything bad to happen. And I understand why. 
Yeah. I do. Let me tell you my theory. I'm 29. I'm stationed with the Coast Guard on this cutter. We don't do much. Patrol the harbor. But I'm on a vessel. We're out doing our stuff. Meanwhile, I get word that Dumb Dumb Bellucci's back at it again. <laughs> they got to have a code name. Like, code name idiot, Bellucci. Yeah. He's out there again. Oh, I got to go out there. I get in my little boat. I get out there. Hi, Bellucci. Hi, Scott. <laughs> this again? Yep. Can we help you? No, I'll kill myself. Oh, <laughs> not this. Do you know what Scott's thinking? Yeah. He doesn't want to remove dead Bellucci bleeding everywhere inside a hamster wheel. It's probably hot. Too much work. Yeah. It's going to be warm. That's going to coagulate. Bellucci's going to smell by the time he gets in there. He would much rather Bellucci get out the boat or get out the wheel, get in the boat, take him back, give him a little food and water, then have to, you know, watch wash Bellucci out of the inside of his little thing. That's what I would think. Yeah, I could see that. Waste of time, money, and effort. But that's the truth. Also, you- we accepted this man from Iran and didn't think after the first three attempts, like, eh, you should go back. <laughs> we didn't... That didn't cry like maybe this wasn't the one for us. Like Especially I, if he doesn't want to be here. He clearly wants to be somewhere else. Yeah, why don't we just sit in a London, England? Yeah. We spent four days with a U.S. Coast Guard vessel and crew mess around with this dude. Guys, a plane ticket yep. to London is 800 bucks. And it's one not way just less. this once. Four days, four different occasions. We spent $100,000 on a $400 problem. Yeah, if he really wants to go to London, just send him just to London. Just send him to London. Dude, Bellucci, free ride, buddy. If nothing else, worst case scenario, London just sends them back. And then, I mean, you could say, okay, where else do you want to go? We'll send you to, back to Iran if you want. No, we don't. We don't. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, no. No, no, no. No. Bellucci's flying first class on a United States <laughs> airline. And the minute that thing touches down, Bellucci steps off the bottom step. The the little, like, retracts. gate, the gate yeah. retracts away. <laughs> And Bellucci, friends, is absolutely effed. <laughs> Bellucci's not coming back because Bellucci has zero dollars, zero identification. <laughs> he has nothing but a Quaker state or like a, like a, what do they call it? Like a, like a granola bar. What's the, the is it Quaker Oats? Quaker, Quaker Oats. Yep. He's got a Quaker Oats brand granola <laughs> bar and a bottle ice mountain. That's all Bellucci's got. <laughs> Bellucci's not coming back, boys and girls. Hey, that's still much better than what he was giving himself. There's no redemption arc for Bellucci. <laughs> There's none. When do you think he's getting back out there this time? Shit. He posted $250,000 bond. Did, did he actually post it? Yeah, they let him out. Right whoa, now, whoa, Bellucci's wait, 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 wait. going out of the water. Wait, wait, wait. I am so much more perplexed right now. This man somehow has the resources backing him to post $250,000 bond. What's a two hundred and fifty thousand bond? I don't know. I haven't lived in Florida for quite a few years, but most states it's ten percent bail to bond rate. So that means he had twenty five grand at his disposal to get him out of jail. Yeah, obviously. How do you have twenty five grand? He built a hamster <laughs> wheel that he is trying to run across a fucking ocean. Ian, <laughs> this man does not care about the things you and I care about. He does not drive a nice car. I guarantee it. Bellucci does not have a nice house. No, it's not care. Bellucci sleeps in the fucking hamster wheel. He posted he posted bail. He gave them 25 grand. He, How do you not you have 25 grand, Billy. He went Buy to, a ticket to London. He went, <laughs> You're not thinking this through. He has 25 grand. He could buy a private, he could charter a private jet to London. He can he can have a private jet take him in his hamster wheel on the jet to London. Dude, what, what is he I thinking? Bellucci's a completionist. That's what he is. He's a man. He's Amish, okay? With 25 grand, man. he could purchase a treadmill to put on a private jet. That way he could run to London. I love the idea. He's on a treadmill. This <laughs> Dude, hang on. 
Yeah, the story <laughs> made sense to me until you said this man has finances at his disposal. Because he's tried this four times, he's, meaning he has made oh bail no. four different times. Oh, no. What does he do? <laughs> Hang on, I just picture he's up in the sky. <laughs> Belushi's got this treadmill set to 12. <laughs> he's doing sprints. Dude. <laughs> Belushi is full out. Everything he's got. <laughs> All the way across the Atlantic Ocean. Oh no! I bet. I bet. Here's what I bet actually happened. I bet somebody else posted it. Right? Yeah, There's no probably. way Bellucci had. And more than that, all that person could also buy him a ticket. One hundred percent. I think what I also envision to be hilarious to me, besides this treadmill, which is hilarious, I picture Bellucci. Going down to the nearest payday loans or like the nearest <laughs> Pawn America. Like, dude, I've got a hamster wheel <laughs> that's registered in the state of Florida. What do you give me for it? <laughs> and he puts it on. That's probably how he pays for the next iteration because yep. the picture of the first iteration and the one they pictured him in, very different. He's made improvements. Yep. So I picture he just hawks the next one. And that, that's how he self-funded this research project. Because of him getting arrested and it becoming an actual national story, I wonder if that's how he's making his money. He makes this national story, and then he goes on Pawn Stars or one of the TV shows and be like, hey, this is a national water hamster wheel. I suppose you know, if Vice did a documentary on him, he's got to have something going. That's true. You'd like to think they'd dough out money, because I think Vice is Vice owned by Disney. I think the New York Times maybe not own Vice. something something some organization somebody with a lot them. of money yeah, yeah. so they probably give him a lot of money and he thought I have all this money and I really want to get to London maybe I'll just make another wheel that's right yep oh oh funny enough actually in 20 in May of 2023 Vice filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy yeah I knew they went bankrupt that's a bummer but I think before that they were owned by New York Times or Disney One owned by the Fortress Investment Group for for three hundred and fifty million dollars. Dang. So they sold it for three hundred and fifty million dollars to the Fortress Investment Group. I wonder if our main guy got any cut of that. Malucci's I really here. hope this yeah. man got a cut of that. <laughs> Something trivial like, yeah, that was a pretty good documentary. Here's your twelve seventy five. Go get yourself a Starbucks latte. <laughs> oh. Dude, I'm sorry. I just can't recover from that. I just the idea <laughs> I, this whole story is hilarious to me. You know what I think? Because this is making national news, and this man wants it so badly, and we refuse to let him just die out there because we're too nice of people. We should get a team together, and someone with infinite money at their disposal, and a little un- bit of a nut themselves who just likes building things. Say, Elon Musk should come together with this man and make him the most futuristic hamster wheel on water. That could actually feasibly make it to London and make it like an actual challenge. I think if nothing else, it's a great Guinness World Record that will never be broken. True. You know, think of all those ridiculous ones with like airplanes or sailboats, right? When they did the around the world thing. Yep. That was huge in the 1900s. The around the world in how many days, you know, yep. who could do it in the sailboat that they built. I mean, there's countless stories about newspapers paying out money for stuff like that. I mean, one of my favorite ones is... What what was the guy's name? Right, he. I'll tell the story next week when I remember all the information. Yep. But it's basically like a guy that entered it. He convinced some rich guy to give him the money, but he owed the money back. And they started this around the world race. He was two weeks late because he didn't know if his boat would actually like make it or not. So he launched. No, it was two months later, and he realized that instead of going all the way around the world, he just cut across the channel. Yeah, he just cut the world in half, and then he just chilled out in the Bahamas for like three months while everyone came around, and then like. All but two people that started the race, like their boat had broken, turned back. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I don't need to win this thing because, I mean, I want because of money. I got to pay the money back, but I don't need to win this thing. I'll just get third, say I did my very best. It'll work out. The guy in front, no, the guy in second, like, sunk. He hit something yep. and sunk in a storm. And the guy in front was French. So he decided he didn't want to go around the world once. He wanted to do it twice. So he turned around and did the whole world backwards. 
So this dude literally was going to win the race. And he felt like a, he couldn't go back to his wife like that. Yeah, right. As a, a loser and a liar. What and did a you do? Thief. I was at the Bahamas. <laughs> right. Because he, he and he he journaled the whole thing. Yep. So no one would believe him if his journals went magically missing. So he just turned his boat out to the ocean and just went. <laughs> and he wrote journals every day. And his journals are him slowly going absolutely insane at sea. For months, this guy, literally like, edge of the world, I'm going there. And he just slowly lost it until his boat, like, capsized on a small island and someone found his journals and they brought the journals back to the, to like, to the country and they're like, hey, here's the journals and the newspaper was like, we'll give you 15 bucks for them. So this family got $15. Dang. For this guy who... For this whole thing. That's what they got. That is insane. I'll tell the story again better next week if you'd like for the Magic 100 episode. But it's oh, just that would be a good story. fascinating yeah. story. Oh. Fascinating story. I don't think we have any fun stuff like that anymore just because of technology. Because you can't... Well, we, we do some stuff in space, but that's really cro- yeah. cost prohibitive. True. Like some dude's not going to... like Anyone could build a boat and go around the world. Yeah, I'll just... I've made model rockets. I'll just launch myself into space. Right. Yeah, we don't have... That, like the Boy Scout with the nuclear reactor. Yeah, we, don't, exactly. we don't do that anymore. We don't condone that. Uh, do you think there's ever going to be a time when technology advances where we... That's feasible? Like, here. Here's your backyard kit for your own spacecraft or rocket to space. No. No. Fossil fuels are expensive and global superpowers like them. <laughs> Therefore... Guys like you and me are staying right here where yeah. God wanted us. What do you think is the next iteration, if you had to do a shot in the dark, of what could feasibly be an alternative to fossil fuels that would give us a huge jump in energy? I think hydrogen we've wanted for a long time and have never committed to it. Okay. We Also, nuclear, we're very good at, and people are just scared of it. If that you got, if that you got one I wouldn't this... say is huge jumps in like overall energy efficiency but, people, but it's so much better than yeah, fossil fuels well, yeah if people just weren't scared of it and we had a better way to put away the waste besides 35 miles on the ground that maybe we'd be better at it yeah either way I, the amount of waste that the five reactors that we would need to do an entire usa that's nothing compared to let's do millions of oil rigs True. across the thing i feel I I just don't understand people's aversion to nuclear. Nuclear, uh, Chernobyl, principally. Which I feel I understand. That is a huge leap in correlation between 1960s. Can't even feed a house of ten Russia, and we're trusting their technology and how to do it nuclear safely with. Modern U.S. technology, right? <laughs> At least in ours, because you got to think back in the um, space race, back in the Soviet uh, USSR era, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't farm mm-hmm. for their own people. Yep. They couldn't keep up with basic engines for vehicles to transport things. They could not do any of that, and yet we're gonna say. Oh, no, 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 but they tried nuclear, and that didn't work out, so we can't do it. And you're like, whoa, yeah, but we shouldn't stop growing potatoes because they couldn't grow those either. That doesn't make a lot of sense It's true. The Irish had a famine because they learned how to turn into whiskey and killed one-third of the population. <laughs> we kept growing potatoes on this side of the planet. I want you to know that, folks. Those are the best um, stories or basically. I can't even say conspiracy theories because you know it's made up, but it's hilarious. Where there's the running gag of the Irish having the mo- world's most advanced technology and like they're the, truly the Atlantis off the coast of Ireland. And they were running the world and then they invented alcohol. <laughs> they sank, They hill. literally sank themselves in the ocean. Yep. That'd be great. I hope that's true. It's I, not. I hope it would be. No, but if we tell the lie enough, eventually it'll make a history book. <laughs> right? Uh, I, say it loud, say it proud, folks. Do you think there's something illegal about that? If we made a history book that we call a history book, that's the title of it, and it has nothing to do with actual history? I genu- I, I would love, so desperately, 
to tell random stories. Exactly. That are complete lies. And then just give those books away on the street and just have people go home thinking, yep. I have no idea who Billy and Ian are, but they have a wild sense of humor. Better yet, and hopefully this doesn't get us uh, murdered, I hope we could come up with a pretty darn convincing, like, Billy and Ian's History of the World. Ooh. And through this 700-page manuscript, we'll call it, of world history, people... We'll get a small sect of people who so genuinely believe it will be the next Scientology. That's not what I want out of my life. I do not want to lead the next cult. <laughs> the The problem is, you and I, by the time the cult starts, we'll have nothing to do with it. The sacred text will be Billy and the Ian's s- History of the sacred World. Sacred text. <laughs> It'll be Billy and Ian's History of the World. But the cult that follows, obviously, we'll have nothing to do with because we're not involved or practitioners of building a cult so it'll be some other zealots and some other or some other people that just really want to make a cult off probably in the west coast somewhere because the west coast has all the cults that we'll never interact with or see and they'll get so big and it and it'll be the next scientology and then i don't know 10 years later once it gets really big and mainstream we'll find out and the sacred text by the founders billy and ian and then we're going to get dragged into a whole bunch of litigation for a whole bunch of awful stuff they'd be in. Like, we have no idea what this is. And then we'll have to justify in court. And I hope it goes all the way up to one of the upper courts, like the Third Circuit or something. And then nationally televised how we have to justify that this book we made is completely bogus, but nobody believes us. I think we should get Bellucci on the case. <laughs> I think Bellucci should be our sal- he should be he should be our salesman for this just abomination of a text. Bellucci is such an icon. I feel <laughs> we could have a whole chapter in it. You know how every the culture Bellucci effect every culture has like a pre has a flood story or a flood mythos. Mm. We could have ours be <laughs> the Bellucci flood incident, where the only guy oh, who survived no. the world flood at that area. Did it with his ingenuity, the first person to think, well, I'm nobody's water vehicles will ever be able to survive this oncoming flood. What we need, and then he'll stop and ponder, and he'll glance over to his pet hamster that he has mm-hmm, over there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rolling around in his ball mm-hmm. in his yard, and he'll be like, oh, God has given me the answer. We just haven't made the boats spherical. Spherical. <laughs> Dude, little do we know, Bellucci wasn't actually in the middle of the ocean. He was just off the coast of an already flooded country. Bellucci's thinking ahead of us, boys and girls. We need to prepare. And then he has, he has in the inside of the sphere, you know, he has to have two of every animal. Oh, yes. Bellucci's building a big old sphere. He's taking two chickens, two pigs. He's got a sheep. And then it's just, uh, we could probably drag that out for 30 pay- pages of the trials of him trying to run this wheel while keeping everything. Bellucci <laughs> gives the cows their own wheel. It just moves. It just, <laughs> it just bounces. That is so much better. You're right. This, so isn't, this isn't one giant wheel. Bellucci <laughs> individually makes of- w- individual wheels for every two pair of animals. This is exactly what this story needs to believe. And, to then, be. and then, yeah, after. I, I don't know, after, we'll say, three months of the heavy torrential downpours and the flood, all the all the little wheels stop at the top of, I don't know, Mount Everest. And then, to this day, for the those select people who are daring enough and brave enough and strong enough to climb to the top of Mount Everest, that is why they do it. To see the miracle yeah. of Bellucci's sphere. Those dead <laughs> people are just from Bellucci's time. Listen, that's his that's his wife. Don't yeah. touch his wife. But he he was smart and good yeah. for the environment. So yeah. so his water spheres were actually meant to be completely decomposed and become part of the environment. Absolutely biodegradable, duh. Exactly. I mean, Bellucci's not so a that's dumb why dumb. it's just the people he had with him. That's right. Bellucci is not a dumb dumb. He's an eco-friendly <laughs> person, okay? Our version of this story is bitchin'. No offense, Noah, but this is a great version of this story. Yeah, I feel like Gilgamesh not the king of heroes. Bellucci, Bellucci new king the, of heroes. He's the fella. He is the fella. And then we could tie it. 
this leads to so many options. We could tie it back to some sort of reincarnation and Bellucci is a new iteration of the Bellucci of Oh no no <laughs> now we've gone too far folks <laughs> that would get so out of hand that would get so out of hand just like this episode of a gentleman's chat episode 99 with your hosts Ian and Billy <laughs>